is part two of Tactical Recon. I'm going to read a little bit about another one. When the judgment is now. Dun, 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 dun. In an epic times of... <laughs> I haven't read this one yet. Do you know what epic times is? E-P-O-C-H. They're one of those talking heads, doom, conspiracy, Christian nonsense. So we're going to get our cues from people who are already... as This is their source. This is his attempt at a source because they're only going to source things that do the same thing they're doing where they don't have any way to defend their positions. In an Epic Times opinion piece... Why do I care? In an Epic Times opinion piece by Victor Hansen, he writes, Americans are now entertaining uncharted revolutionary territory. This is a profound statement, as well as painfully obvious. A careful assessment, which he spells a careful assessment, of America's situation can only result in the realization that there is a systematic unraveling of every area of American civilization which is reminiscent in the last of the last days of the Roman Empire. And so let's let's just assume all of that's true, which I think there are ways that you can defend that assessment. But that's the conclusion. That is not the beginning paragraph of an article. Let me just skip down. Let's see here. Of course, everyone bears some of the blame, but it's primarily the fault of the American woke church leadership who have refused to enter into the realm of American life with the message that Christ is king over every area of the nation, in particular the government. In something to say about how people conduct themselves in every area of life. That is a key difference. Oh, that's splitting hairs. No, it's not splitting hairs. Because institutions don't get saved. The people who run them do. Christ is king over every area of life. I said how that is. But like, that doesn't change anything apart from what Christ can do for the individual. Because grassroots lobbying, if you want to put it that way. Next sentence says, Today's snowflake effeminate fearful pastors. Look how kind that is. Have produced a snowflake effeminate congregation. He's just pandering to Republicans because they like that terminology here. Because it's not about Christians. It's about Republican versus Democrat. Because it's about political salvation, not gospel salvation. See how it all comes together? Fearful have produced a snowflake effeminate congregation in an effort to maintain their own four-walled ghetto fiefdoms. <laughs> I'm going to put this laptop down for a moment on my desk and read that again. Today's snowflake effeminate fearful pastors have produced a snowflake effeminate congregation. I'm just going to stop for a minute. That's code for pastors who don't want to just yell and scream at people on the internet with their opinions. That's what will make you snowflake and effeminate. Slash pastors 
who don't run for office themselves or encourage their congregations to do so at the point of a guilt trip. In an effort to maintain their own four-walled ghetto fiefdoms. In a state of land. Because I've never heard the word fiefdom before. I had to look it up. Four-walled ghetto fiefdom? <laughs> I legit used to use the term four-walled ghetto. I have no idea what it's supposed to mean. But I was in the cult. So I used it. I think it has to do with self-preservation. Like, it doesn't have to do with, like, ghetto, like you would think, like, the ghetto, like, north side Milwaukee or something. Like, that's not how it's being used here, regardless of what it actually is supposed to mean in real life. Yeah, like, a poor urban area occupied primarily by a minority group of, or groups. Like, that's not what they mean by ghetto when they use it. So, like, what did it mean? I've never actually heard it defined. And now it sounds like effing stupid. <laughs> Four-walled ghetto estate of land is basically what I just read and I, I'm, I got nothing. No longer is the church militant and triumphant. Ergo, no longer is it outspoken and arrogant. It has been reduced to a sniveling band of sheep waiting to be shorn by the hirelings. These false prophets have repudiated the commission of Genesis 1, 28 and 29, by entering into a covenant with the state, a.k.a. the 501c3 alliance and the many woke issues of the day, in order to be shielded by having to engage the culture for Christ's crown and covenant. I don't even have time. Like, your church being a 501c3, that is not a shared, I believe in my experience, that is not a shared belief amongst recons. Some believe that you shouldn't be a 501c3 because they have a false understanding of what that means. They think it means that you are not allowed to talk from pol about politics from your pulpit. Um, and particularly name names or um, advocate for candidates from the pulpit, which I think that's partly true, but it's nowhere near as restricting as they think it is. I'm no tax person or anything like that, but I do know that if you are a pastor, you should not be advocating for certain candidates from the pulpit. Not because you can't talk one-on-one -on -one about your opinions, but because people are going to have different ways of applying things. And here's the thing in the church I grew up with, everyone had to vote for the same person. That's what cults do. You cannot have a differing of opinion or you had some sort of an Amish shunning about you, or at least at best a real argument throughout the entire election and then being treated as less than for a while. Like, there are different orthopraxies, and as long as you're using scripture to defend yourself, you're at least in the right direction. And I think the ignorance of recon is that they believe automatically that scripture is not being used as the source of orthopractic genesis just because they arrived at a different conclusion. According to Psalm 2, all nations must bow to his law word or become destroyed under his righteous judgment and wrath. 
So whenever the state or any individual family apostate church institution or nation, oh, it's so dramatic, tries to usurp the legitimate rule of Christ, the true church is supposed to immediately respond. It is the holy church that defines good. Yoking themselves to the workers of iniquity. Like, it's just buzz phrases. I, it's not saying actually anything unless you already agree with the premise and have your own ideas of what these words mean in your mind. So you're not saying anything other than to your own, which does nothing for witness. Shut up unless you have an interpreter. Like, stop speaking in tongues. I would call this a version of speaking in tongues. Because they got all these little law word. Why do they say law word? Do you even know? Because it's not enough that it's the word of God. It has to be the law, too. Because love is not enough. Now, okay, like, love is not enough if it's your own definition and has to be defined by scripture, but they mean the Old Testament Hebraic law most of the time. So it has to be law word. It can't just be word of God. And I know what the old recons that spawned all this nonsense would say is like, well, no, we've started to attach the word law to word and say law word because people don't realize that God is the lawgiver, like in general. But again, goes back to my first thing. Theonomy is just, you know, God's law. And so it's just like so generic. Well, then you wouldn't need to say it. Just say word of God. And if you're trying to say, well, you know, the whole word of God is God's law, then you wouldn't have to say law. But there's a separate component to when you mean law. How does it end here? It's time to call out... This is the last sentences, okay? It is time to call out the false church for what it is and draw a distinct line in the sand as to what is true and what is evil. Only in this way can there be any hope for the salvation of these United States of America. The United States of America? Really? Wait. Declare the truth in an age of vicious evil propaganda and lies. Okay, what does that mean? Like, go on top of your house and, like, shout stuff from the Torah? Like, what does that mean? Have a blog where you say it? Like, and you still say nothing? What does it mean to declare truth? What about present your body as a living sacrifice? What about, like, embodying it and doing it in your everyday life? This is tactical recon blog, y'all. He's still not giving tactics. And this is the whole problem. Like everyone assumes they know what the tactics are because they've subbed their own stuff in it. It's not tactical. It's talking heads. It's not even scriptural half the time. And then any hope for the salvation of these United States of America. The country doesn't get salvation. It's the individuals. And who cares if it's in America or Russia or China or Africa, wherever God's spirit is thriving at the moment ignite that help to ignite that it's all about salvation through politics he just said at the end of the it's all that is my summary judgment i'm gonna speak lawyer speak that's what my husband does summary judgment says they literally are looking for salvation through politics it's literally let's go to the next one law liberty and the reconstruction of the biblical commonwealth <laughs> I don't know if I even want to go. A picture of, is that Beza? That might be Pierre Verrier. 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 One of the Puritans. Or, um, or maybe he was just a reformer. I forget. Fixing the culture begins at home. Oh. That's new. That's actually half decent. But let's see what he says. I don't trust these guys. 
The Puritans were able to focus culturally only because they had a biblical handle upon their own selves and their families. Holy mackerel, there's the first nugget of truth today. Despite the Puritan dilemma, whereby they sometimes mixed scripture with natural law to arrive at truth. All right, let's stop right there. I promise you I grew up in these circles. They don't know what natural law is. For the Puritans, it meant, generally speaking, a priori. Like, you know things are good. They're embedded in society. Like, because we know it intrinsically, the wicked do know this without reading it from scripture. That's actually what natural law was. That's not the definition that recons have for it. And it would behoove them to give us their damn definition. So we can actually have a conversation here. But we're supposed to assume we know. And if you are a recon, you do. So everyone else who's okay with mixing natural law into the scripture conversation is horrible because that's their definition of it. And they won't have the conversation because they know what's what. So he starts talking about what? Puritan societal order was known as a theocratic republic which was a commonwealth under theonomic principles. And since ideas have consequences, and those ideas are ultimately based upon a network of religious presuppositions commonly called worldviews, it was critical that those ideas came from divine source that could be trusted, i.e. the law word of God, law word. I'm pretty sure that we need to define theocratic republic and commonwealth and theonomic principles because Bonson had an idea of what that meant. Rush Dooney had a the an idea of what that meant. So did this guy who's writing this. So did the Puritans from the 16th, 17th centuries. And frankly, I, I could be wrong about this one, but I don't recall those terms being used as early as the 16th and 17th centuries. I'm pretty sure that some of the genesis of today's principles originated from some of the things they said by happenstance but it wasn't the animal it is today and i need i need sources i need the definitions before i can even understand what the heck you're talking about a great society should look to scripture for its inspiration like yeah who in their right mind as a christian would argue with that so fine but that's not where it ends so i, I he's quoting verses okay fine Let's see, I'm going down. He's quoting some Puritans, Winthrop, fine. So what can be done? Where do we, oh, tactical recon. What can be done? Where do we begin? How can we begin the long journey back forming and installing a working cultural model based upon scripture, which will ensure liberty? Church needs to wake up to its obligation as cultural leaders and cultural warriors. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. No. The church needs to wake up to its obligation as spreaders of the gospel. Now, they're not going to say that because they don't think the gospel applies. They don't think the salvation entailing Christ-saving souls matters when compared to the fact that our White House could be a utopia. Doesn't matter. She, the church, needs to break free from simply identifying and analyzing cultural problems and begin to actually develop biblical solutions and then implement them. This is tactical recon. I still don't know how we're going to do it. 
They don't have answers because they haven't lived in the real world. They just live in a think tank where they just make up words and buzzwords and law words. That's all that's happening here. There's no tactical Monday morning thing going on. If he refuses by remaining pietistic, <laughs> I get it. I know the word pietists entails like just being holy and not caring about the world. Like, like the people in the world. Truth mixed with the lies. <laughs> if he refuses by remaining pietistic or by following a two kingdom rapture mentality. New churches must be planted as it was during the Protestant Reformation of the 1500s. Two kingdom rapture mentality. First of all, that's not a thing. There's the rapture doctrine and there's two kingdoms doctrine. So because of their ignorance and their willfulness to be ignorant, they're going to morph the two together and create a whole new world of ideas as to what that might mean. Two kingdoms was actually Augustinian in its genesis, as far as I understand it. Um, and frankly, I'm relatively new at understanding what two kingdoms is because I've not been out of the cult for very long. There's different kinds of two kingdoms. There's God and man, like humanism and Christianity-ish. Like there's believers and non-believers. And neither of those, if we're starting, a recon would object with. Both kingdoms, Christ rules over in the sense that they will face him in final judgment. But one of the kingdoms hasn't decided to follow him. Is he then king would be the next question. Yes, he is king. He still rules them. They're still in his domain, but they don't adhere to his law. And therefore, like, he isn't ruling their life in that sense. If you're not a recon, you're probably some form of two kingdoms, to be perfectly honest, because you recognize that our purpose doesn't lie in reforming an earthly institution. There's the kingdom of the world because it's governed by, it, it, it follows humanism. Doesn't mean God isn't in charge of the goings on, like nothing's outside of his control in that sense. But like, for real, bro, like, I don't know how to spell this out. New churches must be planted as it was during the Protestant Reformation. So basically, if she, re if she refuses by remaining pietistic or by following to the kingdom of rapture, new churches might be planted. Do you know how bad the churches got during the 1500s and 16 and whatever before they decided not to reform it? Luther legit was trying to reform the Catholic Church. Protestant and Catholic have very, very different theologies. And Luther still didn't want to actually leave. And the differences between them would be far more than differences between people who adhere to two kingdom versus not. So their reasons for leaving are self-righteous indignation driven. Said what I said, y'all. Those churches must develop concrete alternatives, which is emboldened in the article. We need to build working institutional models in the areas of education, economics, welfare, medicine, law and justice, politics, government, history, science, the visual arts, movies and theater, the media, psychology and every other area known to man. What are these concrete alternatives? You didn't say it. It's the tactical recon blog and there are no tactics because you don't have them. You just like speaking and hearing your words come out of your mouth.
I already said, like when they're faced with the prospect of actually doing something tactical, they yell and scream. I can't deal with these people. They're not doing it my way in a timely fashion. You're compromising by doing anything. Like, they're like, they're stupid. Here are some recent. So we got, we got the titles, the governance of man. Welcome to the godless revolution. The revolution of the wicked. Ungodly alliances. Get the children out now. I know he's talking about the public school system. I am not a fan of the public school system. I get it. I'm curious about that. Just, just really, really quick. So he says, finally, finally, finally. <laughs> That's what the opening line is. Someone has called out the public schools from an international media platform. Ooh, where is this international media platform? While the call to exit Christian children from the public indoctrination system, commonly known as the public school, that's not even a sentence. What's the sentence? While the call to exit Christian children from the public indoctrination system, commonly known as the public school, there has never really been any public outcry for all children to exit the system. That's not a sentence. While the call, I need the while part, like, Y'all. So what is this what is this international news stores that with a public cry? In an October twenty-sixth op-ed article by Alex Newman of the Epoch Times. The Epoch Times was your source. Oh, oh, oh god. That's your Epoch Times, an international, like a source that people listen to across ideological boards. I promise you no. I promise you, Epic Times is like Conspiracy 101. It's not like Washington Post. Like the effect Washington Post has on just our country versus Epic Times national, internationally. Like, dude, how under a rock are you? Quote, Newman says, the schools are on fire. Time to get the children out. End quote. If this is not obvious by now that the system is destroying the future of the tradition. So, yo. Like, do you get it yet? Like, this is, this is, this is like Rembrandt stuff right now that I am painting this picture for you. So the rest of it, imagine the school building is on fire. This is the Epic Times article. And your children are trapped inside. You can hear the blood curdling streams growing louder. The flames are getting bigger. Heat is getting hotter. You're looking around frantically searching for someone, anyone really to do anything, but there's no response. In fact, nobody is coming to rescue your children. Certainly not the arsonist politician or the education establishment who set the building on fire in the first place. It finally dawned on you that if you do not act soon, catastrophe, excuse me, is inevitable and your children are doomed. So then he says like, the, the article guy, like the Newman Epic Times, if you said, well, circulate a petition, lobby your legislators, run for school board, you're obviously not a parent yourself. Anyone with a child will tell you that there's only one possible thing to do in a case like this. Run inside, grab your loved ones, and run from the fire until you can't run anymore. Then sound the alarm and wake the town. So can you prove to me that the school is akin to your kid in a burning building? I happen to agree, but I need the proof of it. If it's, not, uh, if it's not obvious that the system is destroying the future of the traditional and biblical family, then you have been in a comma, or worse, you agree with the destruction. Okay, so you're basically, what if this is someone new? Stumbles upon this tactical recon blog and says, 
I've never realized, I never heard that the, it was possible that the public schools are destroying my kids. How so? And then they see this. You've been in a comma. Or worse, you agree with the destruction. Well, no, I've, we have a great relationship. They talk to me about everything. They're just not converted. They don't recognize that their teenager coming out as gay is a problem. Because they have a great relationship. And the mom doesn't care. Because she's going to love her son. You know what I'm saying? Like, conversion is where it's at. Okay, yeah, if they may be in a comma, fine. But you're going to saddle them with that? Or are you going to saddle yourself with the responsibility for bringing the gospel to them and let God plant, uh, God give the increase? <sighs> the first step is to remove the children from the system. Home educate. If it sounds intimidating to you, ask assistance from those that know how to navigate the home education system. Get help. That's all that he says about it. No resources. What if they don't know anyone in their immediate circle that would do it? What if they don't know that homeschooling co-ops or HSLDA exists? Like, what if they don't know these things? Tactical recon! Someone who legit has their kid in the public school, who might suddenly be nervous that there's something going on, still doesn't know what it actually is, if they just know that it's being likened to a burning building, and they're told... Home educated. If it sounds intimidating, just figure it out. Start a parent-run one-room schoolhouse. Churches need to step up here. Every church should be a school. If your church does not provide a space for you to educate your children, find another church that will. Every church should be a school. Bruh. Everyone has to have the same gifts that I think they should have. Your church should be comprised of people who have skills in every single academic subjects so that you can have a, ro a bunch of teachers to teach math, science, English, all of it. You need to have people who can run the budget. You need to have people who run extracurricular activities. Everyone has to be part of this in your church. Because if you ask for people's help outside of your church, you're wrong. Because I know this because my growing up tried to start a school. It was a once a week co-op, more or less. And the shame that they would put on people in their church who refused to help, not because of malice, but because they felt either unqualified or they had other things in their life or stress, health, whatever. Oh, they got the Amish equivalent to shunning. They were guilted into it. And they wouldn't ask for outside help unless there were special strenuous circumstances. I know of a few, but that's not where, like, it's not about the ecclesia. Didn't they say something about the ecclesia? It had to be the church building. They wouldn't ask for help from other churches. Let's let's compile our efforts together with like-minded people with the same gifts from the ecclesia at large. No, it has to be the church building. It's not Christ. I don't know anything about Christ in here so far. It's just us versus them and how strong we can be. Strength in numbers, apparently. Do you see how it's all weaving together? So, home educate. Not going to tell you how. Start a parent-run... Like, impractically speaking, and then Newman suggests... Okay, he talks about the Epic Times again. Number five step, pastors wake up, get into the battle, and fight for both your congregation and the moral fabric of this nation. Pastors should be leading in this fight, but sadly, too many are not. It's time to take the battle to the enemy. Children's lives are at stake, and the future of our nation is in the balance. How, tactical recon? How? What are they going to say? Tell me how they're going to get into the battle. What are they going to do? Are they going to run for office? Are they going to write to the paper? 
Or are they going to do their job, what they were called to do, and point people to Christ so that he can transform their lives? Because we can't. We can't do it. And this is why nothing here makes sense when you read it all together. Because we can't do what they're asking. It's all over the map. We don't have divine power. We are Christ's hands and feet. We are supposed to show Christ's love and kindness to people. Tell them that Christ is ready to forgive their sins. They can be transformed. They don't have to worry about the pressure and the baggage of performance, of doing all the right things. There's no joy at all. It's strategic manipulation. You got other things. Another title of a blog article here is Religion, Law, and the Civil Order. Then you've got Liberty and Tyranny, the Theological Connection, Marxism and the Destruction of the Biblical Family, like On the Incarnation. Ah! Ah! That's a title. The Incarnation of the Son of God in signal transformation of the human race from a hopeless humanity to one of hope and promise. Yo, bruh! As early as the beginning of time, Christ was anticipated. Da -da 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 -da. Talking about like transformation. Okay, he's quoting somebody else. He has one, two, three, four, five paragraphs verbatim quoted from someone else. Hodgkin. Reverend Hodgkin. Who is that? We don't know. Just some random guy, I guess. Reverend Hodgkin. I'm supposed to know who that is. What book was this from? No idea. No idea. What, what, does, am I missing it? No, he doesn't even say where it's from. Dude, really? Because this blog writer can't write the five paragraphs. He needs somebody else to do because he doesn't understand it. He's just like, well, I guess I should talk about it. Like, again, like, I'm not making this up. This is so gold right now. This is horrible. It's not gold. This is like shit. But like, I'm my point. I'm like, they don't know what the what love is. They don't know Christ's role in humanity is. They need someone else to talk about it and to be like, well, what he said. Like, they don't embody it. They don't know it. They can't tell it. They can't preach it. They have five paragraphs from this guy, which I'm sure is fine. I'm not going to read it. Then you've got, these prophecies anticipated the cataclysmic event of the coming of the Son of God, um, his victory, his conquest over sin and death in the world, his union with his children, the bestowal upon them of all his benefits, the fulfillment of his covenant dominion inheritance. This is what the advent of his birth means. Fine, let's move on in the area of evangelism. So what he does, the author here, Christians are to increase the boundaries of his kingdom by gathering into the kingdom believers. Great, dude. This enlarges the kingdom of God and maximizes its influence. This is what it means to take dominion. Yes, I'm afraid of where this is going though. We're to advance the kingdom of heaven by influencing every institution and area, oh dear. Every institution and area of life with the truth of God's word by getting involved in the various institutions of the culture. This is what is known as the reconstruction of the culture or the cultural mandate of Genesis 1. There is nothing else I agree. Mm -hmm. Yes and no, though. Because it's supposed to be like, okay, what gifts do you have and where can you be placed because of those gifts? Because if you're going to start saying here, the various institutions, we know where this is going. You have to get involved in politics somewhere. All right, consider first the impact of Christianity on the value of life. 
So he quotes Tim Keller, okay. Christian Christianity was also concerned with the mission of mercy to the poor and needy, great. Concerning marriage and the family, okay, fine. In the area of education, all right. In the area of government, okay, fine. Yes, the founding of our country, sure. Free enterprise and the work ethic is a Christian idea. Also see, you know, this is honestly not bad because he's like, okay, from the founding, like Christ was influencing all of these areas. Fine. Like I agree with this, but again, tactical recon. So we're getting a history lesson in tactical recon. Okay, fine. Let's figure it out. Oh, I found it. I found it. So he talks about how paganism is slowly overturning Christianity's influence, especially here in America. He says, all we have to do is act. How? Get out of our comfort zones of lukewarmness and take kingdom action. Okay. He said, act twice. How? May God once again grant for his, to his eternal church the vision and the strength to recapture what she has lost before it's too late and we go into darkness and despair for many generations. It is time for us to take seriously our commission and act upon it. How? I still didn't hear how? This is tactical recon. I just had a history lesson. Great history lesson. It's talking about the incarnation. He can't just say to bring people to the knowledge of Christ through preaching the gospel. He can't say it. They can't say it. They can't say it. Why can't they say it? Why can't they say it? Because they don't know who God is. They don't care who he is. They do not care. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know. I should feel bad for them. There are certain days I do, but they're also propagating it and looking like complete fools. And it, and it, and it screws me up because I look like a fool with them because we're all labeled Christian. How? They will never say how. He made the great beginning argument. He said it. Incarnation gives us power more or less. I don't think he said this particular, but to tread serpents and scorpions. Great. Great. What does that mean? Go look up Tactical Recon, read on your own peril, and I'll see you next time.